Look around. Everywhere these days, people are crying out for effective leadership. There's no mistaking it any longer. Men, especially leaders, are struggling, emasculated by imposed rules, stereotyping, and leadership models that are no longer working. There are many women who are doing a much better job at leadership than the men, and we need to recognize them. We need their help too. Welcome to Well, the Women's Expressions on Leadership, Learning, and Liberty podcast show, and I'm its host, John Krotek. This is the show where women can help us men to be better men, more effective leaders. Our guest for this episode of Well Podcast Show is a very good friend of mine. She's a speaker. She's a motivator. She inspires people all around the world. And she's also a gold star mother. Her name is Jill Stevenson. Let me tell you about Jill before we get started here. Jill is a champion of finding the blessings in life's adversities. And we'll talk a little bit about that. She has grasped what life has thrown at her and used it to motivate and inspire others who are facing difficulties. And she does a darn good job of it, too. We'll talk about that. Drawing from her strength, she instills positivity and gives hope when called to do so. Since the loss of her only child, an elite Army Ranger in 2009, Jill has spoken to audiences around the country, sharing stories about her son's military service, her family's sacrifice, and remaining faithful despite her great loss. You know, every time I, well, hi, Jill, but every time I, 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 I meet a gold star parent, and especially a mom, because we know about mothers, it touches something deep in my soul. And Jill's son was an elite army ranger who sacrificed the greatest gift that God gives us, which is our life. And Ben will always be remembered. I've known Jill now a little over four years. We've talked quite a few times over that time period. And uh, Ben's here with us all the time. And, and I just, you know, I just want you to know, Jill, that I appreciate your time and I appreciate you as a person. And I'm so glad to have you here on the show and, and welcome to Well, the new podcast show. By the way, you are the first guest on the show and uh, I'm very honored to have you here. Well, I'm, I'm honored to be here, John. I appreciate you asking me and raise that honor up a notch to be the very first guest. I'm, I'm, I'm excited to see where this will take you and, and to be a part of it. I, I'm, I'm excited to be here. Thanks for having well, me. Well, you're welcome and thank you. And, and Jill has um, taken one of life's turns and turned it into something really good. And, and she is a leader in her own right. And that's what the show is about. It's about leadership and it's about freedom and, and education, how we can learn more about each other. But it's about how we can it's just how we can be better men and take the and recognize the women who show these leadership traits that are just way beyond the call of duty and use their tips and their examples to, to be better at what we do. You know, I like to say that we're in a global crisis for men's leadership, male leadership. And if you look around, you know, the, the world's always been in chaos. But if you look around, it's, 
it's pretty janked up right now. I mean, and, and I believe that men are, you know, and it's my gender. I believe that we are, we're failing. And, uh, but before we even go there, let's talk a little bit about you, Jill. Let's talk about where you were raised and how you were raised and how you got these great leadership traits and who were the men in your life that instilled in you this desire to always be, um, to raise a, a, an army ranger son and, and to, but always be a step ahead of the game. Tell us about well, that. I was raised in suburban Minneapolis, um, a first ring suburb right next door to Minneapolis. Uh, my parents were also raised in South Minneapolis. So just a few miles away from where they both were raised, very average suburban family, um, middle-class um, mom stayed at home with four kids. Dad went to work, worked two jobs and you know, really very basic and, and life, life was good and, and sailed along um, until I was about 12. Um, that's when my parents got divorced and we'll just say like the wheels fell off the cart. <laughs> that's yeah. when everything changed. But um, my grandparents were, uh, my mom's parents were very much a part of teaching me uh, the leadership skills. My grandfather served in World War II you know, he married my, my grandmother and then had to go, you know, complete his service overseas before he came back home to raise a family. And, and they raised six children together, you know, on, on his income as a, as a um, postal worker wow. and uh, his disability benefits. And then uh, from serving in the military and then as a, I'm sorry, the disability from the postal worker came later. But um, anyway, they, they never made it seem like there was a struggle to what they what they did you didn't hear about anything they just they took what they what they had and they and they played those cards and and that's just what you did and I and I watched him do that I watched him build a cabin for our family to enjoy and and offer that in turn to everyone in the family you know to share the wealth if you will with with what they had and then I continued to watch my father work hard you know he he still you know, he was um, 76 and he still works. He has his own company that he's been running by himself for more than 50 years, selling and doing some installing of residential fences. He still does that. He coached um, my youngest brother's um, basketball, baseball and basketball teams for many years. He just never quit. You know, so between my paternal grandfather, really, and my own father, I was taught um, to never quit. You, you don't give up. You just take what life throws at you and, and you maybe just take that ball under your arm and you just keep running. You just keep you know, going. You know, it's interesting because one thing that you said there, Jill, a second ago is that they, you know, like your, your grandfather came back from World War II and they six children on postal workers' wages. Yeah. It was yeah. easier back then, but the work still was, was tough. And yeah. One thing that you pointed out was there was no victimology. Mm -mm. None. You know, you know, and, and boy, what a way that what a person to have as an example, come back from World War II, come back and, you know, put his boots on, tie them up, go to work, mm -hmm. raise these kids. That's incredible. You know, and I love the fact that there was none of this victimology that we see so much of today. 
No, there, there nev never was. In fact, my grandfather was famous for saying to my mother and her siblings when they were growing up, if they complained about anything, mm -hmm. I cried because I had no shoes until I saw a man who had no feet. Yeah, there's no, no victimology there. You have nothing to cry about. You know, if you don't have shoes, well, be grateful that you have feet because some people in this world don't have feet. That's and, incredible. And he, yeah, he I shared that, you know, then with with my son, but my grandfather also instilled the importance of integrity into all of us. And and I think that kind of goes hand in hand with not being a victim of anything is being responsible for what you say and what you do and owning it. Just not just being responsible, but owning it 100% of the time. He would tell us, he would, he would put the analogy this way. If you are carrying a bucket of water, you better darn well um, know that you've got water in that bucket. And if you don't, then your bucket has holes. And, you know, an example of that, if you would say, you know, Chevy trucks are better than Ford trucks. You know, hey, grandpa, I, I love those Chevy trucks. They're better than Fords. And he'd say, why are they better than Fords? And if you didn't have an answer to back up what you just said, then he would get it out of you or tell you, don't say that if you can't back it up. And so it became the analogy of your bucket has holes. If you can't back up what you're saying, then you then you really shouldn't say anything at all. And I, I've taken that lesson with me, you know, from when I was a, a, a preteen girl and integrity is so important to me. So important to me. I am not going to call a spade a spade unless I know gall darn well that it's a spade. You know, that's important. Even today, you know, we, we see so many people not telling the truth, mm -hmm. not being integral, and, and yeah. then they just seem to get away with it. There's like no consequences. I know okay. that yeah. whenever I didn't tell the truth, <laughs> I knew what corporal punishment was. I knew that <laughs> something was coming my way. So, you know, the two things you pointed out, no victimology mm -hmm. and take responsibility, you know, yeah. Be an adult, you know, be, be growing up and what a better, you know, you're blessed, Jill, you know, I know it's early in the program, but you're blessed to have those two lessons taught to you at such a young age. Oh, very, yeah, very much so. Very much so. So you spent, so Ben, your, your only son, Ben spent a lot of time with your grandfather, I understand. He did. He did. Ben was my only child and I raised him as a single mom. So my grandfather became the strongest male role model that Ben had in his life. Right. And so very fortunate to spend a lot of time with him. And Ben, you know, I had learned these lessons from my grandfather and then in turn shared them with Ben and Ben got to, you know, experience them himself with the time that he spent with my grandfather. And, and we spent the majority of our time at their uh, cabin or lake home in Northern Minnesota. So it was, it was the outdoorsy kind of thing, you know, that we spent a lot of time fishing and going out in, in the boat, not a fancy boat at all. You know, we had a rowboat and a canoe and then a, <laughs> some other aluminum boat with a, you know, a 60 horse power motor on it, you know, nothing fancy, but learn the tricks of, you know, what it meant to catch your own fish and dig up your own worms and, and just have some organic fun on the, on the water, you know. That's awesome. Sounds like some really good times, you know. It, it, it was. Yeah. So you got this alpha male granddad, right? Yeah. And then you're raising an alpha male. Yeah. Tell me about how Ben, you know, so you have, even though you're a single mom, and I know how tough that is. I'm married to a single mom. I get it. 
mm-hmm. uh, helped raise two of, of our own kids. And but but tell me tell me how Ben got to become an Army Ranger. Well, I, I think through the teachings of my grandfather and myself, and you know that that bloodline, because I I raised him the way that my grandfather raised me in a sense and my father with those with those leadership skills and not not having a sense of uh, being a victim for anything uh, having integrity be very important in the way that you carry yourself uh, carrying yourself uh, proud Ben was taught to carry himself proud and that again came from my grandfather he literally taught us when you're walking anywhere in public that you put your chin out your shoulders back and your chest out and you carry yourself like you mean who you are and you don't you don't look down when you're walking because that that doesn't show confidence you want people to see a confident you in who you are Mm -hmm. and ben did that so well that he had a reputation in his high school of being noticeable when he was coming down the hall like oh here comes ben cop because of the way he walked and the girls teased him about it um, but of course, in a, in a flirty sort of a manner, but he, he really took that on and he carried himself proud. And I, I was proud of him for doing that because it did show a level of confidence that he had. Mm-hmm. That along with, you know, becoming the Army Ranger, you know, my grandfather is the only man in our family who was military, the only one. And Ben remains to this day, you know, almost 13 years after his death the only offspring of my grandfather to follow in his footsteps and join the military. So I think there's, there was a genetic code that they shared, you know, that, that brought Ben to follow in his footsteps. But the events of 9-11 had a profound effect on Ben. Mm-hmm. Um, that, uh, the events of 9-11 and my grandfather's death when Ben was 13 came just five months before 9-11. Around that time as well of 9-11 is when the book um, Black Hawk Down came out. And Ben, ben was a very avid reader and he read the book. And then the movie came out and that inspired him. He wanted to um, seek revenge against the bad guys who did, you know, who murdered innocent lives on American soil. And he also wanted to um, avenge is not of, I mean, maybe avenge isn't the right word, but he had um, the terrorist attack on our country to him was uh, personal. He took offense to it and thought that it was a, a mockery of his great grandfather's service to our country. So he did want to avenge that as well. So all those things, you know, being raised by a strong single mom and, and being responsible and having that sense of integrity and, and ownership of who you are and what you do, you know, were, were well, they took him on that path of, um, I got to be the best that I can be. And, and I, I'm going to do, I'm, I'm going to do that. I'm going to do it in honor of my great grandfather. I'm going to do it in honor of my mother. And I'm going to do it in honor of all those innocent people who died on, on September 11th. You know, that's, it's touching because, you know, I was just going to bring up honor and you just said it three times. And so <laughs> young man like that, that's convicted and has confidence and integrity and doesn't play the victim card. Never. Uh, t- Never. Takes responsibility for who he is. 
that's what exemplifies the best in male in a male. Yes. And, and, and he was the, um, I'm not going to say stereotypically he's the prototypical alpha male who was proud of who he was mm -hmm. and, and, and made decisions based on a code of honor. And, yep. you know, you know, and, and again, I get back to like the, what's going on today, you know, Imagine if we had more Ben cops in the world. Wow. Yeah. You think we would yeah. have the, the, the situation we have now? No, absolutely not. Absolutely not. And I, I heard um, just three words today and in, in, I was listening to the audio book um, that of the biography that was written about Ben called Heart of a Ranger. And I know we'll get to that later, but this ties in right now in, in that Ben was described as having grit, determination, and guts. Grit, determination, and guts. And I wrote that down and like, you know, I could use some of that today for myself, <laughs> but I, I see those three traits also coming from my grandfather, you know, very much so that grit, determination, and guts. And as you know, bringing those three things forward, that's maybe what you know turned into what the Rangers call intestinal fortitude, and Ben definitely had that intestinal fortitude. I'm sure he did, and you know he uh, and I, you know, we could spin those words a couple different ways. You know, resiliency. Yeah, uh, he was focused, mm -hmm. and he and he was courageous. Um, yeah, those you know again, and what we're what we're alluding to for those who are listening is we're alluding to traits that seem all too often missing in today's leadership mm -hmm. uh, and especially the male leadership. And uh, of course, this show is designed to, to recognize leadership and from our female counterparts. Um, I'm just totally inspired by the story of Ben and always have been ever since we met Jill and you know, and, and, and on this journey, you've inspired and helped so many people. And you know how you've done it. You've done it with grit, <laughs> grit. <laughs> determination, nation, and guts. Yeah. yeah. It, it hasn't all been glory. I know that. No, no, no. There's been, there's been some rough times. But one thing that your grandfather taught was never give up. Mm -hmm. And I think that's mm -hmm. so important, you know, and, 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 with respect to what's happening today, I think that we can take the story of Ben and your family and, and, and take it to heart and learn some lessons here, learn some valuable tips. Mm -hmm. So tell us about the book, The Heart of a Ranger. Tell us what the backstory is that. And I know if this doesn't touch your heart, <laughs> nothing will. Well, the backstory is that uh, Ben was wounded in action while he was serving in Afghanistan in his third deployment. And he survived those injuries long enough to make it back to Walter Reed Army Medical Center in Washington, DC. But the day after he arrived, he was determined to be brain dead. That brain death though enabled him to become an organ donor. And so eight days after he was, he was shot um, by a sniper in Afghanistan, eight days later, he was uh, removed from life support, but not before he donated all of his major organs, bone, skin, and tissue. 
those major organs were heart, kidneys, and liver. And then they, he directly saved the lives of four people with those donations and then enhanced the lives of 55 more with the donation of bone, skin, and tissue. The woman who received Ben's heart uh, is still living today. Um, we can come back around to that, but just a, a nice little fact to note that she's still doing very well today. But there's a gentleman who lived um, in the Twin Cities where I was living at the time, and the time being when Ben died and was, was wounded and then died. He was a journalist, and he just happened to be from the same hometown as the woman who received Ben's heart. He was reading his online or his hometown newspaper online about two years after the fact, after Ben died. And he came across an article that was written about this woman and myself and how we connected. She was a former work colleague of my first cousin. And that's how we got connected. And so I had met her um, mm. a couple different times after she received Ben's heart. Well, Bill, who's the journalist, uh, was just blown away by reading that story because he didn't, he hadn't heard about it when it happened. And so he reached out to me and asked if we could do a, a story. And by a story, he meant at the time a news story because he, he was an, a journalist for a local um, ABC affiliate station. So we did a story and then became friends and stayed friends. And three years later, I think it was three years later, his oldest son went off to join the infantry, just like Ben did and did his training at Fort Benning. And Bill was inspired um, while he was attending his son's basic training graduation about Ben's story because he knew Ben's story very well. And it just reminded him of what he, what I'd already told him, you know, my experience with attending that graduation ceremony. And he just decided at that moment that he wanted to reach out and ask me if he could write a book about it. And so he reached out to me and, and asked what my thoughts would be about him doing that. We met for lunch. Um, I had a really good feeling about it. I, I, I just totally aligned with the way that he wanted to write the book and tell the story and gave him the blessing. And three years later, the book was released. And it's titled Heart. The Heart of a Ranger. Yep, Heart of a Ranger. And what's yep. Bill's last name? Lunn, L-U-N-N, Bill well, Lunn. Th thanks for sharing that, you know. And that's a very touching story. I mean, that's it's one worth hearing and I'm sure that it's one worth reading for, you know. I know that uh, we did an interview one time Jill and I on Strata Combat Radio, and the title of the show was The Heart of a Ranger's Mother. Mm -hmm. And it's interesting because the show parallels that show and talks about the conditions and the personalities, the character traits of what separates what we could say in the Bible, the wheat from the shaft without passing judgment. Mm -hmm. And that's, what do you think, you know, what do you, you know, I mean, what do you think needs to happen to male leaders today for them to wake up or for all of us to wake up? How, how can men be better leaders and how can women help men? Well, I think, I don't know if I can, if I have an answer for that. 
at the moment, but what comes to mind is I think there's a, this lack of grit, determination, and guts. It's, it's not there in, in the male population like it, like it once was. Men don't have that sense of obligation, if you will. Um, the moral compass is gone. I think, you know, moral compass is what made my grandfather serve his country, come back and take care of his wife and raise a family. That he, he felt convicted to do that. Where's the conviction in doing what's the right thing? And I don't think enough men have that grit, determination, and guts to stand up and do those things anymore. And I'm not saying that you have to be married with children to be a, a, a leader. Obviously, you don't. Obviously, one doesn't. I don't know what the exact answer for that is, John. I just know what qualities are missing in the men in the world today that, are, that are, aren't standing up for it. You know, I think about the, we'll just say the holding the door for a woman or just doing, doing things for a woman because that's what a man does out of courtesy and respect and honor to who you are as a person. You know, for instance, I uh, traveled um, a couple weeks ago and I'm on an airplane and I had a carry-on suitcase with me. I mean, I'm not 20 years old, I'm not 85 years old, I'm somewhere in the middle, but there was men all around me that didn't offer to help me lift my suitcase up into the overhead bin. Now, I don't have that expectation, but there was one man who stood up to help me. And that man was about 85 years old. Wow. He stood up and said, do you need help, young lady? And I said, sure. And I, and I let him help me do that. And I looked around, you know, in the seats around me, and he was the oldest guy as far as I could see. And he's the one who offered to help me. I, I said, it's good to know that chivalry isn't dead. Thank you. And literally, one of the guys said, the men around, he was probably in his 40s. He said, literally, what's chivalry? <laughs> you just, you know, there it is right there, right out of your face. Right it's right like, there. You know, yeah. what's chivalry? You know, what, what etiquette? What is etiquette? You know, sometimes I wonder, how much of this, Jill, do you think is, is societal or what we might call social constructs? You know, and, and, let me, and follow me on this. Follow me on this. You know, so often, think, let's think about this. Men are criticized for not exercising historically accepted feminine roles like creativity, you know, nurturance, sensitivity, dependence, especially loyalty to family. And at the same time, I feel like they're criticized for practice, practicing historically masculine um, roles like author being authoritative, um, physical, ambitious, self-assured. You know, I feel like men, men, I'm not making up any excuses. You know me. I'm trying to, I want to, I want to, I want to think about this. So men, it seems to me, and this, I don't know if this is global or just in America, but it seems like if we show our feminine side you know mm -hmm. that we get criticized for that but 
nowadays it seems like when we practice the masculine side, we get criticized for that. I feel like men at times, not Lord knows, I'm not talking about being a victim, but it feels like, you know, if we follow that line of reasoning, it seems like there's nothing positive these days about being a man. You know, <laughs> I, I feel like, and, 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 and hear me out. The American psych, psych, psychological association, American, they even have a, a, the traditional masculine role has now been deemed a personality disorder or, or could be a personality disorder. So rather than accentuating the strengths of a man, there, there, there's nothing constructive about that. So my thing, you know, so if masculinity is a disease and we can, we can talk about that, how can we eliminate it or, you know, or should we eliminate it? I, I don't know. You know, I'm trying to, there, there's, there's something going on in society these days where, where men have lost their way. They seriously have lost their way. And I don't know if it's, I know it's a lack of what we've said, but how, how do we, how do we turn the tide? Does it just start out with an individual? Do we start a movement? How do we get men to be okay with being men, not being assholes? That's a whole different story. How do yeah. we get men back on the masculine route where it's acceptable to open a door for a woman? I mean, when I hear of a 40-year-old guy doesn't know what chivalry is, it's like, holy cow, are you kidding me? Yeah, yeah, no, no clue. It was if I just spoke a foreign language to him. No, <laughs> yeah. Um, to answer how do how do we bring it back? We got to start with the the children. We have to start with the young men, and teach it to them from when they're very very small, so they grow up with it just like my son did. You know, he learned it from when he was very young, and it became important to him to uphold that that the grit, determination, and guts, and all that he did. Now I live in I live in a southern state, and you hear children all the time respond to an adult as yes, ma'am, no, ma'am, yes, sir, no, sir. And it's a respect thing. And that's just what you do. You know, you look at people when you speak to them and you speak to them with respect. You, I don't think, you know, maybe we can teach old dogs new tricks, but it is a societal thing. You know, can we un, unteach what we haven't taught our 21 year olds as they're you know, released from college and go out into the real world or graduate from high school and go out into the real world. I think we can, but it has to, from them again, it has to come from the top down, from whoever they're gonna be interacting with this leadership, whether it be you know, in the military or in college or a vocation. You know, sending your, your children off unprepared to survive, on their own is a cop-out if you ask me we need to prepare our children for that you know you when you don't make your children be responsible for themselves in your home like by giving them chores and having them earn things instead of just giving it all to them and doing everything for them what's going to happen to them when you cut them loose they're not going to be able to survive and then they, then they automatically play the victim 
because if they don't get things done for them, they think that the world isn't fair. <laughs> well, you know what? It's interesting because the first two things that we talked about was personal responsibility mm -hmm. and victimology. I mean, the two yeah. very basic things about raising children. You, mm -hmm. you, if you're going to have children and, and you raise them to be responsible children and then they become young adults and you know i have seen some crazy things with young adults that we would have never dreamed of doing when we were coming along oh um, yeah you know yeah. you know disrespect and just so anyhow I, I'm, we're not here to, to castigate or pass judgment we're trying to find solutions right. and the things that you're talking about or it's not rocket science. I mean, they're not, no. it's, it's not that hard to, to be mm -hmm. responsible. No, it's not. But it, again, it has to come from, you know, it has to be instilled into our youth or it's going to be instilled from the top down if it isn't when they're young. If they don't learn it when they're young, they're, they're going to get it hammered into them once they are released into the adult world. You know, they're, they're, they'll find out real fast that, hey, you know what? My mommy always made me a sandwich even the day, be the day after I graduated from high school. Well, guess what? Your mommy isn't following you to college or into the military. You're going to have to learn how to make your own sandwiches, <laughs> you know, and do your own laundry. The, their skills that you've got to have. It's, it's, yeah. I mean, I remember my mom teaching me how to sew a button. You know, yeah. when, when I think in the seventh grade or something like that, and you know, through the hole and back down, you know how to sew on a button. Yeah, yeah. And and, and there were so many people as I grew up. You know how to sew on a button, and it's like, yeah. I mean, every guy should learn how to sew on a button, and that's what I get back to. There's there there are certain things that are not being taught that are so basic and so simple, but they help you to develop that confidence. And you're right. You said cop out. Mm -hmm. You know, how many times did we see during the over this pandemic, people saying ridiculous things online on TikTok or whatever, Twitter, and then the next day they lose their job and they start crying to the world that, you know, they lost their job because of something yeah. they said. I mean, yeah. talk about, you know, responsibility 101. Right, right, right. Well, yeah, exactly. And for people to just so many to think that there aren't consequences, that there isn't going to be consequences when you are disrespectful. You know, and that's, that's you know, and I think you. exactly, Jill, I think you hit the nail on the head. And I think that that's one of the, the major hurdles, challenges that we got is to have a sense of consequences because some of the things that we're seeing lately, you know, the vitriol, the, 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 the hatred, the, the narcissism, mm -hmm. it's so out of control, but yet, even people at the highest level seem to get away with it. Yeah, yeah, they do. They do. We Everybody can just, well, they just play the blame game over and over again. You just, and, and if, you're, if you're behaving in a manner where you are conscious of, you care about what the repercussions might be, that should keep you from saying anything dumb to begin with do anything dumb to begin with you know even though you have the thought that 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 you don't agree with it and you may think it's dumb or stupid or ignorant or whatever just don't say it yeah, don't my, say. my wife would say you're not in in control of your emotional state right now yeah <laughs> you know i'm like right okay you know we can still okay. be taught so i i 
I think we can still be taught. I think that no matter what age you are, and I think it's an intuitive thing. You know, there is a basic right and wrong, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know, and motive and intent. We can go into those, but, but I think that what we've touched upon is some things that, that are completely missing. It's rhetorical, obviously, Mm -hmm. but, but I think that the, responsibility probably is a key one for me. What we've talked about today is being responsible for who we are. Mm-hmm. Um, now to play the devil's advocate, I don't really like to play the devil's advocate, but let's just say men have been emasculated by the societal parameters and they're not following their calling and they become something that they're not. What does a guy do when he's in that position? It's a tough question. I know it's kind of deep, but what do you do when you when you're when you're the, to the point where you don't know what you just don't know who you are and what you're doing? And I and I see that with a lot of guys. You know, did you know? Give you some time to think about. It. Did you know that in the last three years, women have now surpassed men going to college? You know, I mean, there's more women enrolling than men. And men are dropping out at higher rates. And the consistent comment from most of these young men is they feel lost. That's that's the could you imagine at RA, you know, when we were going to school or doing whatever, could you imagine feeling lost at 18 or 19? I mean, we already had a direction, I think. Right. You had a direction and and that you had leaders, you had leadership. You know, where when we were young, John, the teachers were allowed to be leaders. You know, teachers aren't allowed to do that anymore. You can't, they can't be guides like they were when we were young or mentors. The mentorship has gone down over the years as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, I can't speak um, from the position of what would a guy do? Because I'm not a guy, obviously. Uh, and, and I make it a habit to not speak for anybody but myself, unless I know darn sure that this person agrees with my opinion. But personally, you know, if I'm going down a road that isn't conducive to my growth and I feel lost, then I'm going to seek guidance um, on that, whether it's interpersonal or reaching out to a friend who, who might be able to help me, who's had a similar experience. There's more help than there's ever been out there. More, way more help than there's ever been out there. Yeah. Because people are, so many people are lost. It's not just men that are lost, women are lost too. Um, you know, with the men not having a direction and not going to college, but then more women are, why are more women going to college than men are the, are, are, do we do women feel a greater sense of direction for that reason? That's a good question. You know, I, I I don't know, but I would say that you know we need to have leadership in our lives, no matter you know whether you're a man or a woman. We need to have people we can go to to help us when we do feel um, like we're off track and need yeah, that- to get back, you know, on the straight and narrow, if you will. No, that's a good answer. But, you know, but I think women, I think this is just, again, I'm sake of conversation. I think a lot of women are really pissed off or uncomfortable with the state of male leadership. And, you know, I've, I've caught bits and pieces of things that ladies have said 
And it's just made me think, you know, that she's, she's angry, you know, she, and she's not angry in a way that's, that's not, well, I guess anger is not good, but, but it seems like she's like, she doesn't want to be where she's at trying to fill that role. Does that make any sense? Like, I think women have been placed in situations because the men aren't stepping up that they're uncomfortable with that and they shouldn't be there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Not that they're not capable. Right. But, but, right. It, but it, it's, it's, maybe it's a, it's a, it's a role that should be filled by the men. And if you're like, like you putting this, the suitcase up. Yeah. Yeah. That was, you know, and the 85 year old guy jumps up and does it. Well, I don't mm-hmm. know how much he jumped, but, but, yeah. but, you know, but that was an uncomfortable place. And if I was a woman and had all these guys around, I'd kind of be not angry, but I'd be wondering where are the men? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Where, where are the men? You know, why is it, it just an 85 year old who stands up in that situation? And yeah, I, I agree. I, I agree with you, John. I'm not angry about that. Um, but it, it makes me sit back and, you know, it makes me stronger. Think, you know, if, if the men aren't going to do this, then I'm going to do it myself. You know, I'll just, I'll just do it myself. And you can be a, you know, a very independent woman and still want a man to help you do things. And that doesn't mean that you are um, weak and, and being a very independent woman also doesn't make you a feminazi either, you know, um, yeah. because I, I'm old school and do believe in chivalry. I don't, I don't have any issues with um, men doing men things and women doing women things. And if you want to even call them that, some people might even take offense to that, but you know, if you want to take the trash out and warm up the cars and fill up the gas tanks, I'll gladly do the dishes and vacuum dust. You know, I don't, I don't, I don't have any issue with that. But I, you know, we're not really talking about about those roles. I know we're talking about you know the state of the world right now and and where are the men? And you know, I think men have to raise men, and that's what's missing. Also, you know, there's um, so many. Um, women so many children are being raised in single parent households yeah and and that that has a great effect on it and while my son was raised in a single parent household he had that strong male role model that influenced him enough up till the age of 13 when my grandfather died that he had instilled he had injected enough of that masculinity in him and that responsibility that it got him through yeah and that's awesome and you know again and I know you know, we can dissect masculinity and femininity all day long, but it really comes down to the individual. And there are ways and solutions and things that we can do. I, I always say that as long as you're on the road to self-improvement, that's a start. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, it can't feel good as a guy sitting there watching a lady struggle on a plane to put a suitcase up ahead in the overhead bin. And I know that I could probably not that she can't do it, mm-hmm. but I, I couldn't even imagine being a guy sitting there watching that, you know, and yeah. you can yeah. go to the mall and you can see guys going into the mall, jumping ahead of a woman walking in or, or it, it's crazy. The stuff that we see, the lack of etiquette, I think is another basic mm-hmm. nicety yes, and respectful thing that, that is dignified, mm-hmm. you know, that, that we're missing. And again, I'm not here. We're not, I know you and I are not here to be, complainers or, or talking about all the troubles of the world 
because right. the Lord knows that we'll never solve that conversation. But the things that we're discussing here today are doable. Yeah, yeah, they are. Yeah, they are. We're not that far off the target, but if you're off just, to, I used to say in the Army, if you're two degrees off on your compass course, at the end of it, you could be 600 yards downrange off right. target. Yeah, so, right. So just those little tweaks. Guys, mm -hmm. if we just start doing things like helping ladies on planes or opening up doors or taking responsibility for who we are, and being nice for a change, we can set the example for the other guys around us. And, and, and if the guys think that you're being weak because of all that stuff, then you don't need to be hanging out with those guys. Well, exactly. You know, a common phrase I hear people say a lot is don't mistake my humbleness for weakness or my humility. Don't mistake my humility for weakness. And there, there's a lot to be said about that one. Absolutely, Joe. I could, you couldn't have said it better. And, you know, mm -hmm. Do you have, so if you're the queen of the world, if you were controlling it all. <laughs> I was the queen. If you were the queen, and you are the queen, but if you were the queen of the world, what, you probably already answered this, but what two or three things would you tell guys right now that could drastically change their situation and then collectively make the world a better place? It, yeah, I think we did talk about these already, the, the responsibility and ownership for your, yourself and your family. And, and also, I believe when you are thinking not just of yourself, but of the greater good, you know, how does what I'm doing right now have an effect on tomorrow? Or who is um, going to be affected by what I do and say? And keep that in mind. You know, be, be aware that you are leading by example and be the example. Well, thank you, Queen Stevenson. <laughs> how, can, how, can, how can people get in touch with you if they, if they want you for an event to be a speaker or they want to get more information about your book or mm -hmm. if they just want to talk to you or meet you for something? How do they do that, Jill? Uh, you can, I, on my website, which is, uh, I am Jill Stevenson.com, www.iamimjillstevenson.com, S-T-E-P-H-E-N-S-O-N. That's how you spell it right there. Yep. Yep. And, and, then, and, and then the book, and they get the book off your website? They can get the book off my website. Um, it's also available on Amazon. It's called Heart of a Ranger by Bill Lunn. Um, I did not write it. Bill wrote it, but I, I helped him with it. Um, was right there alongside and, and did a lot of the editing with him. And in fact, the audio book was, version was just released four days ago. Oh, um, awesome. it, it took a little longer. Um, it wasn't something that we, we didn't put it out at the same time as the book. Obviously, the book was released in May of 2017. And now here we are, you know, Jan or January, <laughs> March of 2022, um, a little bit lagging behind, but nonetheless, it's out there now. So um, I actually was listening to it today because um, I hadn't heard it before, but myself and Bill Lund, the author, are the ones who narrated the whole book. Oh, good for you. Congratulations. I have to get me a copy of that. Thank um, you. Yeah. I have yeah. the book, but I'd like to hear it on audio. Just, yeah, to, hear, it, just to hear your voice, Queen. Just to hear, yeah, to hear me read you a bedtime story. Yeah, it's uh, not, I think, it, I think it's nine hours, around nine hours of audio. 
Awesome. So there you have it. I am JillStevenson.com. Um, let me ask you this, Jill, before we, we sign off here. Um, do you have like a, your own quote or personal mantra that you live by every day? I have a lot of them, John. I have a lot of them. I think the one that I adhere to the most is the golden rule. And that's do unto others as I would want them to do unto me. Well, there you have it. That's a classic one too, by the way. And yes, yes. Classic for the classy queen, Jill Stevenson. <laughs> Jill, and thank you for being here. Um, you have all the information. Uh, appreciate your time and uh, look forward to our next conversation. And I just wish you all the best. And I, I love who you are and what you do. And, um, and just thanks for being the first guest on Well Podcast Show. Well, thanks for having me, John. I appreciate it. It's been great chatting with you. Good seeing you. You too. Talk to you soon. Bye-bye. Okay, bye-bye. Thank you for listening to another episode of Well. Without you, we don't exist. We hope the men who joined us today learned some valuable tips to improve and not be ashamed to use them. Be the change. Set the example. Keep going, men. And for the women leaders out there, keep creating and keep helping us men to become even better men, more effective leaders. Thank you. Until next time, stay safe, be well, and lead.